Welcome to the Evoke EQ podcast, where we have emotionally intelligent conversations for evolving leaders. I am your host, Whitney Warren, a multi-passionate entrepreneur, EQ trainer, certified Enneagram facilitator, big stage speaker, and curious question asker. If self-growth, compassionate leadership, and changing the world are your idea of a good time, then you've come to the right place. Let's dig in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Evoke EQ podcast. My guest today is Eric Dominguez. Eric Dominguez is a keynote speaker and communications trainer with over 25 years of experience, teaching thousands of individuals from all walks of life how to speak up for themselves. As an immigrant who grew up between two cultures, his fear of communicating fueled him to learn the mindsets and tools required to communicate effectively. And now he works to empower others with the same tools so they can be seen and heard. His team-oriented approach centers around the philosophy that everyone has a unique story and a belief that everyone can share their life lessons with confidence, power, and yes, a lot of fun. When asked about his greatest career accomplishment to date, Eric cites his recent keynote for Wisconsin Sherm, which exemplified a milestone for him as a speaker, where he got to impact over 1,200 people, sharing the stage with national speaker and longtime coaching client, Sarah Noel Wilson, and he sold out his very first product, the Speak Up Stories Mike Check Deck. When sharing about his personal accomplishments that he's most proud of, Eric cites his perseverance and his commitment to becoming a self-aware, self-care-addicted leader, the results of which have led him to consistency for both his business and family. And if you don't already know this, Eric is my family. He is my partner in life in growth. And one of the very first things that attracted me to Eric, other than, you know, his really cute face, (laughs) was the fact that he was a growth junkie, just like me. And that is something that we have shared and held at the center of our relationship. And through this journey, we've both undergone extensive emotional intelligence training. We've both done extensive Enneagram training. And I don't really think there's a day that goes by that we don't have some sort of in-depth conversation about both of those topics. Because for us, Enneagram is growth. Growth is understanding our Enneagram. And this is how we navigate life. So Eric, I'm just going to open it up to you to say hello and follow that up. Well, (laughs) that's a tough intro to follow up. Hello, I'm happy to be here for sure. And yes, absolutely a growth and self-care junkie. I think that that has been what has been a major factor in my growth all, all around. Business, professional, emotional, spiritual, everything ending with an all. And yeah, uh, probably the best part of my day on a daily basis is when we're all done with all of the things that we have to do and we cuddle up with uh, Mr. Winston and Mm -hmm. something about the day sparks our discussion about something else. And it usually leads right back to the Enneagram or any Mm -hmm. one of the emotional intelligence tools we've learned together throughout the years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to the extent that we have a hundred percent, you know, Enneagram typed our dog, that's (laughs) instant, by the way. Uh, we're Jerry's still out on that one though. <laughs> I think we we still have some disagreements. He's, he's, on that. He can be uh, he can be uh, typed of several different ways, but that's that's a deep discussion for another time. Different podcast, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so if you are a regular listener, you will know that we have our public 
conference coming up in April in Des Moines, Iowa at the Botanical Gardens. And that is April 16th and 17th. And Eric will be not only the MC for that entire event, but he will be running a special session specifically on communication and your Enneagram, overcoming the specific fear that each Enneagram type. Oh, hang on. Yeah. We're no, going to get to overcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to keep that in. I want to keep that in. Yeah, we're going to come back to that word overcoming because he will explain. But he's going to hold a session on communication and fear and the Enneagram. So if you are interested in the conference, he's going to be a big part of that. His strategies, tips, tools, mindset, framework is going to be sprinkled throughout, but very, very heavily in a session that he's running the afternoon of one of those days. So let's just dive into my my verbal blooper and talk about overcoming since we're there. Yeah. Overcoming is one of those forbidden words that that I have. Overcoming, mastering, conquering. Mm-hmm. Those are not words that I use, in, especially in context of public speaking and especially in context of fear. I am a firm believer that not only can you not overcome your fear, you don't want to overcome your fear. Why? Because fear is information. Fear mm-hmm. is a powerful motivator. Fear mm-hmm lets you know that something is wrong or something could go wrong. A lot of times we think that fear is a completely bad thing to have, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's really significant. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you think that you have overcome or mastered or conquered a fear, Mm -hmm. you are essentially saying that I know it all. Mm -hmm. I have it all. And Mm -hmm. there's no room for me to grow. And especially in communication, I would argue in in every aspect of life, but especially in communication, that is when your communication completely shifts from open to I'm in charge. I'm the only one who knows. So Mm -hmm. I never use overcome. I actually, the phrase that I use is we never overcome our fears. We transform those fears into fuel. That's kind of the tagline that I always use Mm -hmm. in all of my keynotes. I mean, that's really tough for an eight to negotiate, right? That um, I I align with what you are saying. I mean, I say the same thing in, in different iterations in different ways. But when I think about fear, my eight desires to overcome weakness and my bias is that fear is weakness. Now, I, mm. I've done, I, you know, obviously... <laughs> dug into how untrue that is. But I think as an eight, I have been in in terms of public speaking, master at avoiding what is what fuels my fear in that space. And so I would say I'm I'm comfortable with saying that I overcome fear when it comes to public speaking, maybe not in general. But because for me, that's not correct, of Mm. course, but it that feeds my ego. Right. To say that right. I've overcome it, to say that I've mastered it, to, you know, it allows me to rest and become complacent in that and not acknowledge weakness, vulnerability, which, you know, for me, of course, is, is the thing that I guard, the thing that I work really hard to be open about. So I don't think it's an accident that, you know, we talked about this before I got on the podcast and I cannot get over the overcoming Yeah, because that's what I want. But you're right. That's not what happens. Yeah, can I can I add something to that? Oh, please. The uh, what I would say to that specifically is is your, your correlation, and I think you know, you're definitely not alone. That fear is a weakness. 
Mm. Well, I just think about, you know, when I'm driving, you know, I'm not mm. driving terrified. I'm not, you know, <laughs> ripping the wheel screaming the whole time, but I'm aware and I'm concerned. And if I see a car coming in my direction that could collide with me, that is going to evoke fear in me. Mm. That's not weakness. That's power. Because Alert. that that information gives mm-hmm. me the awareness of what I need to do next. It's mm. the same in speaking is the fear. Well, what if they don't understand? What if they don't like this? What if they, uh, I don't land the message? That's important information for you to take action. The only other thing that I will say is true is when we have this sense of, I have overcome my public speaking fear, I've mastered, mm. I've conquered, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're missing a key element in public speaking, which is mm. the audience. Mm. public speaking is never about the speaker it is always about the audience and Mm -hmm. so if you're standing in full you know for lack of better word right now i don't like using this because it's not the the term i'm using here but in full confidence that i have everything that i need to be able to effectively land this message if you don't have something that you're aware of you're not really actually connected to the audience well i think what you described feels more like arrogance to me yeah, it absolutely uh, is. Because confidence, you know, the the arrogance is a self-protective measure. Like, I'm not going to allow the fear in because I need to not feel fear in order to X, Y, Z, accomplish right. the tax. Right. Confidence is, I understand that fear is a part of moving forward. Exactly. And I do it anyway. Yeah. Exactly. You said something, oh, fear is awareness. Fear is awareness. And when we talk about self-awareness and we talk about the Enneagram, the reason why I think we're both so attracted to the Enneagram and I use it and we both use it as a foundation for coaching clients and coaching teams is fear. Each of us has a different fear. Each of us has something that we are hyper aware of in terms of fear. And what I fear and what you fear are not the same things, which means what I am aware of when I speak and what you are aware of when you speak are totally different. Right. So my follow-up question there is, when you are using the Enneagram with your coaching clients, like how do you what is that process? Like, how do you bring in that awareness? What happens for people when they see Enneagram in terms of speaking? Like, give me the generals before we get into the specifics. You bet. And it's a really powerful tool, the the Enneagram that I incorporated into my coaching practice. It wasn't always a part of my practice. And when it wasn't a part of my practice, there was something tangible missing, right? Mm -hmm. I could because of my experience, my training, identify this is where you need to go. But it was hard for my clients to understand that specifically. Mm-hmm. So the IQ9 reports that are generated really break down. And in fact, it has a whole section on communication. And when I show that to my clients and I say, does this resonate? 90% of the time, they'll say, absolutely. And the other 10% mm-hmm. of the percent of the time, they'll say, no, that's not me. But with a little pressing and a few mm-hmm. more additional questions, they start to see, oh, yeah, I do struggle with that. I mm-hmm. do have fears in that. Mm-hmm. Moreover, is we all have defense mechanisms, conscious or subconscious. And that's mm-hmm. another way that I use the Enneagram in the coaching practice is that we're identifying what defense mechanisms are you holding, are you using to hold back what you really want to say? Mm. And I'll just add one more, circling back one more aspect of fear that this relates to is you should always feel a little bit of sweat when you are speaking to other people because that tells you that this message matters. You're invested. Exactly. 
exactly both in your both in yourself and the experience you're creating i mean i uh as someone who likes to likes to pretend that fear doesn't exist you know i'm someone who's like oh okay whatever like put me on stage it's fine there that's not the the real real that's right that's what i tell myself to get up there that's what i that's how i talk myself into that but if i am honest about that there's always a fear of perception there's a fear of um of getting it wrong there's mm-hmm. there's there's a million there's a million fears that go on what do i look like what what uh, right. angle are they going to capture <laughs> right really for me it boils down to a lot of that perception much less about what's coming out of my mouth but the but the way it's come the way I'm experienced when it's coming out of my mouth. Right, right. I, I don't know if that uh, that aligns with what you're going to share about different types later, but I think that you bring up a, a a perfect point in the sense that we need to be aware, and then it's not about overcoming; it's about understanding. Yeah, and I'll continue to beat this drum because it's important. Even more so, communication is about service. Mm. is you're you're communicating to serve the other person especially when you are a speaker especially when you are on stages your primary role is to serve Mm. and that's why we need to be not smaller i don't want to make that argument but our priorities need to be for our audience not for ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah i can imagine for some types that's more of a challenge than for others 100 maybe it's the same challenge and just looks different I think it's a little bit of both is that mm-hmm. they, they, it's the same challenge and they look different, but each Enneagram type has its own flavor of this type of fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evoke to bring forward, recall, or uncover emotional quotient, otherwise known as EQ or emotional intelligence is the ability to consistently understand and manage your emotions. This is the skill set behind effective communication, conflict resolution, compassion, resilience, and personal power. At Evoke EQ, we train evolving leaders on how to expand their impact by transforming internal resistance into abundant energy for your career, your teammates, and your organization. Join us on this expansive journey as we work to make the Midwest an emotionally intelligent place to work and live. Okay, well, I would love to go through each of the nine types and talk about the strengths of these types when they're speaking and potential areas for growth and any strategies you might have for these types. And I know you've got I know you've got some things you want to say about that before we dive into the types that are really important. So why don't you share that now and then we'll get into the Yeah. There's two there's two things to keep in mind whenever you are discussing Enneagram in, in any mm-hmm. context, I believe. But yeah. in the context of communication, what we're going to be talking about is really caricatures, right? These are snapshots. These are these are avatars. And not all snapshots, caricatures, avatars, they all don't immediately resonate with those types. Mm-hmm. What I would encourage you to do is if you're listening to this and you hear your type and I explain the strengths and areas and strategies. If it doesn't immediately resonate, challenge yourself to see how your communication does align with what I mentioned. The other trap or the other context that I would encourage people to listen to is that there's there's two types of public speaking fears. The first one is I don't know how to. And the mm-hmm. second one is 
I know how to, mm. right? These are the two <laughs> fears and they, you know, we all gravitate to one or the other, sometimes differently in different ways, but it, it's, it's really important to recognize if you are short changing yourself or o- overconfident in your abilities. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Eric is very clear as to which one I I have no, no insights, no insights. And I'm sure you are very curious and have no insights into which one I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my experience is we fall on different sides of that coin. You bet. You bet. Um, But, you know, I don't know that that would be true at all times for all of us. Like, I think I fell on a very different side of that coin earlier in my life and then, uh, you know, chose, yeah shifted. So I will, we'll get to eights. Maybe I'll share a little bit about that. Just so everybody knows before we'll get in, Eric, my love is a two. So he will, I'm sure share a little personal anecdote from that. And let's do the thing. Let's do Uh, it. Do you want to start with eights or ones? Do you want to do what what you choose? You choose. Uh, Let's start with ones only because I think if we start with eights, we might get caught in that conversation for a little bit. Got it. And this way we can we can have it more towards the end and <laughs> regulate our time. <laughs> very strategic. Very strategic. Yes. All uh, right. Okay. Go with ones. Let's, do Let's it. start with ones. Type one, the reformer. Uh, the strengths in their communications is that they're clear, they're direct. They often advocate for fairness and improvement. Mm-hmm. They have a strong moral compass guide and persuasive and principled arguments. So their argumentation is most of the time very solid and very well structured. Uh, the areas of growth, however, is that they they can come off overly critical or judgmental. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that that type ones have a very loud self critic, mm-hmm. and sometimes that self critic uh, speaks out in front of others. Mm-hmm. And they also need to learn to appreciate different perspectives and different approaches. Mm-hmm. So it's not the right, there's not a right way or a wrong way to communicate, but oftentimes ones feel like there is, mm-hmm. and they don't want to violate what might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, a strategy for ones in communication is embracing flexibility, is mm-hmm. recognizing that there's multiple ways to achieve a goal. And a way that ones can do this in just their normal day-to-day conversations is practicing flexibility being open to different viewpoints. And I would actually even press is if if you are a speaker and you are a one, do something that you feel would quote unquote, break the rules. Mm. What's something that would feel uncomfortable, but would be novel for your audience? Novel, new, maybe a little silly. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, ones like to get it right. And one of the things that came up for me when you were talking was I see, I see ones because they do have such a high inner critic. I see that as being one of the things that keeps them from mm-hmm. experimenting and maybe even keeps them from public speaking uh, because that critic says not good enough, not good enough, not good yeah. enough. Um, and so that just knowing that your audience is way more accepting than, than the one experience is going to be of themselves. You bet. Um, and maybe allowing them to bias like, the audience is not having the same hypercritical experience of their performance that they are. Correct. Correct. I would even add to that is, yes, the brains crave novelty. So creating something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and because ones like all of us, but one specifically struggle with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I always say this is I've been speaking for in front of audiences for 25 years. 
never have I ever given a perfect speech. Something has always gone wrong. Something has always been off. Something's always, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. So that's well, an I important think that's that's a strength for one is that they'll seek out the improvement, but let's not, you know, don't take yourself down in that process. Exactly. You, know, you can use that strategy to keep going. All exactly. right. Let's talk about twos. Twos. I have a intimate connection with twos mm. because I am <laughs> so one. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, whenever I'm doing an Enneagram training and the audience doesn't know that I'm a two, I always mm-hmm. say, I hate talking about twos. Twos are the, my least favorite ones to talk about because it's so revealing about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so strengths in communication, empathetic and supportive, they create deep connection with the audience. They're excellent at affirming others and expressing understanding from my perspective of myself. That's absolutely accurate. So my main intention is to create that connection. And when I mm-hmm. am in q and I do have a great skill of affirming and listening to others and their their questions and responses. The areas of growth may struggle to express personal needs or confront conflicts directly. This is, you know, we talk about fears Mm -hmm. and having something important to say. One of the struggles that I've had is being very direct about what I think is right and wrong in terms of the topics that I speak on. And that's going to push people the wrong way. And I got to be okay with that. It's also learning to set boundaries and communicate their own needs clearly which is the strategy is a certain asserting personal needs while focusing on others. It's critical that we establish our needs and our boundaries. Here's what it looks like in terms yeah. How of how does that look on the stage? Yeah. On the stage, it's, it's a balance. So mm-hmm. number one, it's not all about the audience, right? Mm-hmm. I know I'm somewhat contradicting myself, mm-hmm. but I think uh, you it, need to for the two, because I think the two can take that too far. Yeah. The two can be just like, here's everything, but Audiences need to see an example of your content. And so one of the phrases that I use is that the story isn't about you, even if it's about you. When you're telling a personal story, it's about how the audience can see themselves in that story. But on that, twos need to be aware that they do get to share their own personal stories, but not for their own benefit. They need to share their stories, but not for their own benefit. Hmm. And I think there's... um... There's a piece of aff- a piece about affirmation here that I yes, think that, that do you want to expand upon that? <laughs> yeah, actually, I've actually really addressed it. The second part of the this mm-hmm. year is yeah, mm-hmm. there is a piece of aff- affirmation. You know, mm-hmm. for me personally, from my own personal experience, I'd get done with a speech, and you know, I did a YouTube video earlier this year about how we are unreliable to evaluate our speaking performances because mm-hmm. we're filled with adrenaline. Adrenaline. So sometimes I'd be like, oh, I killed it, and sometimes I'd be like. I think I'm done. I think that was the last speech of my career, <laughs> you know, just complete opposite mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum. And I started using a, a, a program called Talkadot, mm-hmm. where audiences take a quick snapshot. It's like less than 90 seconds and they give you quick, immediate feedback. And for me, it's much less about affirmation. It's much more about that feedback because I can use that data to evaluate how effective was I in that? I think that's a powerful tool for all Enneagram types, but it's really supported me in grounding myself as to what actually happened in that speech. Because the two can, the two is very biased towards uh, what other people are thinking and feeling about themselves and can create that negative bias. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do enough. 
good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that instant feedback tool allows you to be in the reality of that moment is what I'm hearing. You bet. You um, bet. Cool. All right. Let's talk about threes. Threes. Threes are going to have a lot of strengths in communication because, uh, mm-hmm. again, nicknamed the achiever. They're going to be charismatic. They're going to be motivating. They're going to excel in public speaking and presentational skills. They're going to learn the art and science of public speaking and knock it out of the park. They're focused on effective and goal-oriented communication. Their areas of growth, however, is that they can become overly image conscious Mm -hmm. and they might lose authenticity. I won't name name, name, any names, but interacted with a, a speaker a few years ago, and we had a conversation beforehand, just a casual conversation. It was a lengthy one, probably 10, 15 minutes. And then when the speaker went on stage to speak, 110% a completely different person, like not the person that I spoke to. Mm -hmm. And so while I don't exactly know this person's Enneagram type, it it shouted three, they lost authenticity. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I would even argue lost credibility. In that, and that's a pitfall of the three is that when they're not authentic, they lose credibility. Well, living living in the persona rather than being a person, I think is what exactly. I heard you just say. And exactly. I think I might counter this just a little, although I think Please. that threes often strive. If if threes are in a position in which success requires public speaking, and they've chosen that, or they feel like it's possible they could be successful in that, I do agree that they will go all the way. But I do, I have experienced a lot of threes where if they don't see a possibility for success for themselves, they won't start on the journey. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that forward because I have worked with clients who did actually type as a three. Mm -hmm. And when I say, hey, record this video for me, it's just a rehearsal video just between you and I. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of teeth pulling Mm -hmm. to get them to record that video. So thank you for bringing that forward. Yeah. And again, the fear comes back to authenticity. Yeah. If I show people who I am, am I going to be accepted? And that's the strategy for the three is valuing yeah. and embracing authenticity. Well, and I think there's a willingness to see failure as part of the path to success. A hundred percent. And the the hard thing about public speaking specifically and failure is you fail in public. You oh. literally. And always. Yeah, and it's, it's a guarantee, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> it's I mean. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. There are moments in, you know, this year, we'll just say this year where I was like, I completely bombed that section or I flopped that question or whatever. And it's, you know, when I record YouTube videos, it's great. I have a great video editor. She cuts everything that mm-hmm. <laughs> shouldn't be seen out. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in a live performance. And that's terrifying. Yeah. So I would say that that's what I see holds threes back. Yep. And, you know, just them knowing that. This is what I coach all threes on though. Like failure isn't failure. I mean, it is, but it, but it's not, it doesn't hold the weight that I believe a three places on it in the moment. It is information just like fear. And, you know, of course, threes fear failure, but just like fear failure is information on where to go next. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick side note, because I think Mm. this is an important uh, Mm -hmm. concept for all personality types in this. We keep coming back to Mm -hmm fear as a positive or failure mm. as a positive. The two books mm-hmm. that really influenced me in this is mm-hmm. The the Power of Regret and Bittersweet. Mm. Those are two really powerful books that make the argument 
that we shove away what we perceive to be these negative emotions, mm-hmm. but they're driving our growth. Yeah. Uh, and the analogy that one of the authors uses is putting all of your stock in positive emotions is mm-hmm. the same as not diversifying your financial portfolio. Mm. It's literally, why are we putting all of our eggs in the positive emotion basket mm. when we have so much more to learn? Oof, that, uh, that lands. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's driven uh, a lot someone of my who work. Is, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. It's driven a lot of my work the last few years is recognizing that there's a lot of power in what we perceive to be negative emotions. Mm. And for someone like me who has a really strong positivity bias, mm-hmm. uh, that has been a journey of like, no, 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 no. This can suck and it can suck for an extended period of time. And I kind of actually need to acknowledge that. You bet. And I think Speaking that's uh, of acknowledging. <laughs> let's sorry, I took it. I took it. Uh, would, <laughs> would you like to finish? Speaking of acknowledging the <laughs> they're sweet. Let's talk about fours. Let's talk about fours, the individualists. Yeah, their strengths in communication are deeply expressive and authentic, uh, mm-hmm. often creatively. They're gonna give you something that is novel and new. They're going to be emotionally nuanced in their conversational style. One of the things that I said at the last Enneagram conference is that fours are the guiding light into the cave that we fear to enter to find Mm -hmm. the treasure we seek, is that they are leading us and saying these negative, negative, I'm using air quotes, if you can't Mm -hmm. see any negative Mm -hmm. emotions have something to teach us. But unfortunately, they can become overly self-absorbed and melancholic, right? And like mm-hmm. they can become so sad and so deep in their emotions mm-hmm. that again, it's about them and not the audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they need to learn how to balance inward focus and practical and objective viewpoints. So it's not all about the emotion. It's also about the tangible steps in order to deal with that emotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the strategy is, again, balancing emotion with practicality Mm. is, yes, your feelings get to be heard. Yes, you get to express authentically. But I often use this, especially with heart types, is when we have this emotional experience and powerful story, it's Mm -hmm. like having an ice cream and putting it in the lap of someone without a cup or a plate or a cone Mm. or anything. It's like, yeah, this is something really good, but you've given me nothing to do with it. It's just creating yeah. a mess. I really like that analogy. And Eric just said something about heart types. So I want to clarify twos, threes, and fours are what we talk about as heart types or feeling styles. So these are people who are going to lead from the emotional space. They're going to make choices from the emotional space. Now they all do this differently with different strategies, but yeah, ice cream cone, melty in your lap. Good, sweet, connected. We want it, but can we, how do we utilize it? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Delivery of that is important. Yeah. Just again, adding to the heart types is we sometimes heart types sometimes just drop emotions into an audience lap and then mm-hmm. leave. It's like, well, yeah. what do I what do, do, I do with, with that? This? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you were saying the strength of the four is authenticity, but the the area for growth is a lot of times I experience fours as their base level understanding of themselves is that they are not accepted or they do not belong. Right. So they can easily 
separate or other themselves when they're on stage, making it a bigger, bigger barrier or distinction than is actually happening. So that knowing that it's that I think it goes back to the service point. Yeah. Like knowing that your authenticity is in service. And when a four knows their value, just like when any of us know our value, but when a four knows their value, I see them being able to stand in their authenticity and be in equanimity with themselves and the audience. Yeah. They're teaching others how to be authentic. You know, the the person that comes to mind is, and I don't know her Enneagram type, obviously, mm. but Lady Gaga. She's mm. incredibly- She's a four for sure. Yeah. She's, I bet she, money. <laughs> money. She's got incredible authenticity. And yes, mm. she draws attention to herself because of her authenticity. But if you follow her and if you listen to her work, mm-hmm. she's empowering others to be authentic. So that's a, a great example of a four that is very balanced. Absolutely. At Ivory House, we believe that every human deserves to have an incredible image of themselves. Widely recognized and recommended as Des Moines' leading portrait studio, we specialize in capturing all the best angles of camera-shy professionals. Our skilled photographers guide you through the entire process with careful posing and detailed direction, sharing their confident energy and years of experience along the way. Clients routinely leave the studio saying, wow, that was so easy. No one has ever made me feel that comfortable and confident in front of the camera. And best yet, when can I do this again? If you are camera shy and looking to change that negative narrative, then Ivory House is the place for you. We cannot wait to show you how good you can look and feel all while being photographed. Okay, let's talk fives. You ready? Fives. <laughs> fives. Excellent. The investigator. Now, this mm-hmm. is a great, great, uh, let me rephrase that. Fives are phenomenal at public speaking because they're going to give you all of the information that you need to know. Their strengths are analytical and insightful. They uh, oftentimes provide unique perspectives. They excel in written and researched communication. So, when a five is speaking, they're going to know their stuff. And a five isn't going to go off the cuff and speak about something that they don't know a lot about. However, because of that, their areas of growth is that they can be overly detached and overly complex in explanations. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the strategies that I use when I'm working with all clients is that, you know, there there are times when a book is transformed into a movie and that movie has a movie trailer. And when you're giving a presentation, you have to identify which one of those three are you giving. Mm. 99.9% of the time, we're giving the trailer, just the mm-hmm. overview snapshot. Yeah. A five wants to deliver the book. The and textbook. So five, the textbook. <laughs> yeah, so, let's be clear. <laughs> you know, while this isn't always 100% uh, guaranteed, if somebody shows up to a presentation and has 182 slides and only 42 minutes to deliver that, I'm going to think that's a five because mm-hmm. they are trying to over explain something that doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be explained the strategy and i know fives are going to send me nasty emails and Mm -hmm. instagram messages the strategy is going to be to engage emotionally one of the greatest books that i've read on communication and storytelling is story or die by lisa Mm -hmm. cron and she has a whole section on the fact that facts don't persuade facts alone facts alone facts alone 
never, ever persuade. Mm -hmm. And so that that's my uh, advice to fives is yes, deliver the facts, but also engage as a human being Mm -hmm. because it does go ahead, go ahead, finish up. Well, it requires what I hear you saying is it, it requires the five to be human in front of humans. Yes. And that is something that fives are very uncomfortable with. That's why there's such a heavy reliance on information is because then they, they don't have to be human. They don't, they don't have to share that feeling. They don't have to share their personal connection. They don't have to share why they're obsessed with that. If they just share the facts. Right. Uh, And yeah, but that alone doesn't move the needle. No information. I mean, if you can deliver that information in a strategic report over email, then it's not worth standing in front of an audience for. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's one thing I'd love to add here in terms of when fives won't speak or don't speak. Mm-hmm. And it's generally, I see them telling themselves they don't know enough. They're not the expert. They can't, like, it's not them. Right. And that's that, like, needing to understand, feeling they're not understanding enough, and then persuading, you know, persuading themselves and limiting themselves in their communication because of that not enough. I think yeah. we each have a flavor of not enough. And for the fives, it's I don't know enough to be a speaker or to communicate this. Well, I'll, I'll even add to that because I have had the experience of coaching a, a quite a few fives in their mm-hmm. presentational skills. And what my experience has been is that when they are observing a speaker, They're Mm -hmm. criticizing that speaker for not knowing enough on how to speak on that information. And so they bring that judgment to themselves Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. think, well, other people are going to perceive me this way. And I have to coach them out of like, no, that's how you're perceiving other speakers. Mm -hmm. Other people aren't thinking of that. I mean, other than other fives. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but that's that's true of every single type. A hundred percent. Every single type is perceiving from our own perception. You bet. And judging from our own perspective, you know, all, all of that stuff. So it's like we all do the same stuff. We just do it a little differently. A little different. <laughs> little different. All right, let's talk. Let's talk sixes. Sixes, the loyalists. Their mm-hmm. strengths in communication are engaging and relatable, mm-hmm. uh, often focusing on common concerns and safety. They have uh, excellent at foreseeing problems and providing practical solutions. So these are the speakers that are going to be incredibly practical mm-hmm. uh, and organized and support their audience. Their areas of growth is they have a tendency towards skepticism and pessimism that can hinder positive communication. Mm -hmm. So yes, tell us what the problem is. Tell us how we can acknowledge the problem, but also remember that there is a positive element to this. Mm -hmm. This is the, the other side of the coin that we discussed earlier of you know, yes, we get to embrace negative emotions. Well, the sixes also need to embrace those positive emotions and learning to trust one another and trust themselves, really. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's an issue of trusting themselves because a six on stage is going to have a lot of fear of the perceptions that they mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, on the perceptions that other people have of them. Yeah. So The strategy is cultivating trust and positivity, knowing that you are there to deliver a message. And Mm -hmm. even if the message is hard, that you can find the silver lining in it. Mm -hmm. And I think you talked a little bit. One of the things that sixes do is they seek, they search for the hidden dynamics Mm. underneath communication. Right. So when a six is sitting in the audience, they're looking at the speaker. Can I trust you? Can I trust what you're saying? Uh And so I think there can, of course, just like with the fives, just like with every type, 
can they trust what I'm saying? Can they trust me? And can I trust myself? And, you know, not getting up there on stage and making up all sorts of stories about what the audience is thinking when you mess up or when you deliver that or when you say that thing. Because a six is strength. And of course, anything that's a strength becomes a weakness at some point is overthinking the result. You bet. You bet. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Let's talk sevens. Sevens. The enthusiast. (laughs) Uh, I mean, their strengths in communication are energetic and entertaining. They easily capture the audience's attention. They are, they are skilled at reframing uh, negatives into positives. Uh, this is the snapshot or caricature of a traditional motivational speaker. You can do it. There's no mm-hmm. mountain high enough. Go get them. And yes, that's incredibly wonderful. But little side note is that it's important for all speakers to recognize that that type of motivation dissipates after an hour or two. Mm. So how are you going to create impact? And that's that's where the sevens have an area for growth is they mm-hmm. can struggle with depth and follow through in discussions. Mm-hmm. So a seven speaker can really amp up the crowd like nobody else, mm-hmm. but it's the same as the, the ice cream examples. Like, yes, we have all this energy, but what do we do with it? Number one. And number two, how do we maintain it? So sevens get to be very practical in finishing the job of their mm-hmm. motivation. And they need to embrace more serious, complex topics mm-hmm. and go deeper in it. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for, for a speaker to just say, be positive or mm-hmm. embrace this or embrace that. How do I do that? Yeah. So sevens get to the strategy for sevens is they get to embrace depth and also Something that's really important here, focus. Mm. When a seven is up there, if they are not clearly within their outline, they can Mm -hmm. get uh, really sidetracked Mm -hmm. with what Mm -hmm. they think will be the most fun, not the most Mm. meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What I heard in that is, you know, they can amp people up, but what about the substance? Exactly. In the, and a, and a, and a seven who's done the work, I think, you know, maybe a raw seven who hasn't done the work is a Skittle, right? Yeah. And then, you know, Skittle is like a sugar rush. You're like, yes, it's colorful. It's bright. It's beautiful. But like, we want peanut butter. Exactly. Like, it's delicious. It can feel like dessert, but it's substance. It's going to sustain us. And so how does a seven, you know, go from being a Skittle to being peanut butter? The, the example that I use, and you know, for those of you who are familiar with the Enneagram and the acts like, think, thinks like, feels like, I, mm-hmm. I have a seven thinking center. Mm-hmm. So the example that I use here is I could go into a national championship lacrosse locker room mm-hmm. and I could pump up that team, the lacrosse team. We're going to win the championship. It's going to be amazing. And then when we go out there, I don't know the first thing about lacrosse. Mm-hmm. I could not coach them to save my life. Mm-hmm. I can pump them up, but I don't have the tangible tools. And that's yeah. what sevens get to be aware of is yep. don't just pump pump them up, give them the tangible tools. Yeah. And Eric, you just brought in thinking centers. So we just talked through five, mm-hmm. six, and sevens. These are all thinking or head types, meaning that they're going to prioritize logic, data, facts. The, the more practical side of that are speaking experience. They're, of course, again, just like heart types, going to do it all different ways, but it's going to be about what do I know? Right. What do I right. know? All right, let's talk about eights, a type I know something about. 
I, yeah, I know something about something too. You, sometimes you know something about. <laughs> so strength uh, eights, the challengers, they are confident, assertive. They excel in debates and negotiations. I know that firsthand. Mm-hmm. They are direct and clear, and they are unafraid to confront difficult issues. That is one of the, the real advantages of eights is that they're going to take on the hard topics, and they're going to press those topics deeply. The areas of growth are they can be overly aggressive or confrontational, oftentimes not intentionally. Sometimes just their tone of voice and their natural energy can come off that way. And for an audience, you know, audiences don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another side lesson, something I heard the other day that was really powerful is that there is a lot of power in choice. There's a Mm. lot of power in choice. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes eights don't give you a choice. They say, this is what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Another area for growth is learning to be empathetic in the, that speaking. And I would actually add vulnerable is admitting that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very uh, terrifying for Mm -hmm. an eight. And Mm -hmm. the strategy here is practicing empathy and diplomacy. So let, I'm going to turn the tables. How, as an eight, as I'm you know, speaking to you and as a speaker, and I say, Whitney, you need to practice empathy and diplomacy. You need to practice being vulnerable in front of your audience, admitting that you have fear. Mm-hmm. How does that resonate with you? I mean, admitting I have fear, that was step number one in becoming a better public speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that you, you know, really addressed with me head on as as I as my partner, but also, you know, as I started to really pursue public speaking, part of my part of my strength of an eight is I can walk into a room and command an audience really with very little preparation, very, very little anything, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, give me a, a loose outline and agenda. I'm good to go. But what I was realizing was that that didn't actually hold the power that I wanted it to. I might feel powerful, but I was ignoring um, my responsibilities in a lot of way to my content, to my audience. It was my way of making it about me. Because if I really prepared, I would have to confront all of the things I didn't know before on that stage much more comfortable confronting them in the moment than premeditating all of the things that could go wrong, all the things I'm going to have to overcome. You bet. Uh, so that's been part of my journey in overcoming. Oh, I no, no overcoming. I want to. No. It, part of in, in, I would transforming say fear into fuel. There you go. Sure. Transforming fear <laughs> into fuel. We're going to use Eric's tagline. But I think understanding and utilizing my fear knowing that part of my fear was not preparing so that if I did get it wrong, I wouldn't blame myself or I wouldn't, you know, whatever. Well, I didn't prepare. So like, it's fine. That's a huge strategy that I hear lots of aides doing. Exactly. And thank you for mentioning that. That's, mm-hmm. that's usually what, how I will press, even if I don't know for sure that they're an aid. I, a lot of times in, in my workshops and in my keynotes, somebody will say, I have no fear in speaking mm-hmm. in public. I love speaking in public. I am have nothing disagree with what you're saying. And my follow-up question is, how much do you prepare for your presentations? And most of the time it's, I don't. I just go up there and shoot from the hip. And I think, yeah. exactly, is yeah. you're exemplifying your fear by not preparing because mm-hmm. preparing would hold you accountable. 
preparing would show that you care. Yeah. And preparing would open yourself up to vulnerability because what happens if you prepare and you don't get it right? Absolutely. Let's talk nines. Let's talk nines. Nines, the peacekeeper. Nines, the peacekeeper. Their strengths in communications are they're calm, they're reassuring, mm-hmm. they're great mediators and prompting understanding. I have, you know, my mom is a nine, and I always call her, especially recently, to get different perspectives on something that I might be struggling with. They are great at listening and providing different viewpoints. However, their areas of growth is that they may avoid conflict and they assert themselves too little. They have a need Mm -hmm. to, they need to learn how to express personal opinions more assertively. Mm -hmm. The nines that I have coached have really struggled in creating actual tangible content. You know, I always Mm -hmm. say to the nines, content for everyone is content for no one. And if you're creating content that anyone can consume, then you're really just posting a cheesy Instagram post Mm -hmm. is all you're doing. You're just Mm -hmm. saying something that no one can disagree with. Something like, be kind to others. Well, yes, no one's going to say, no, don't be kind to others. But it's about taking it to the next step, taking a stance and being okay with people rejecting your message. And that's the strategy is voicing your own opinions and opening, opening yourself up for rejection. Yeah. What I say to nines when I coach them is disrupt now Mm. for future peace. Oh, that is good. I know. You should put that on a sticker and give it to nines. I should. I should. Because I think nines, when they are in their authenticity, when they're in their confidence, when when they are clear on who they are and what they want, they are the ultimate effective disruptors because they do so in pursuit of harmony Mm. and there is no harmony in status quo that's just comfort that's resignation that's you know there's no harmony in pleasing everybody because being pleased is not actually what we want right that's that's fascinating that we we all want like we think we want to be pleased but what we actually want is to be fulfilled Mm. and i don't no one is truly fulfilled by platitudes and by generalizations. Right, right, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. If, if I can find it on Instagram, then it's not really taking a stance. Mm-hmm. So eight, nines, and ones, which we started with, these are all part of the body types or gut types. One thing that you will see in each of these types is that presence is incredibly important for them. Mm-hmm. How you walk on stage, how you're dressed, you're it. It's it's about how you hold yourself and how you speak mm, because right, right. gut types are watching your physical presence when you talk. It's like how it, how is it delivered? With what level of confidence is it delivered? I check out immediately. Exactly. If I whiff a lack of confidence in a speaker, I am gone. I am out. It doesn't matter how informed they are. It doesn't matter how good their story is, if they fumble, or if I don't feel like they believe themselves. That types, we don't have space. Now I work on this because I know that this is my bias, but I don't have a lot of space for people who don't show up with a powerful presence, a credible presence. I'm glad you used the word credible there because I think that there, I think that there's something 
I'm glad that you use the word credible there because there is something that is equated to communication theory that we haven't addressed, which you and mm-hmm. I talk about a lot, which is logos, mm-hmm. pathos, and ethos. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are listening that are unfamiliar, logos is logic, pathos is emotion, ethos mm-hmm. is credibility. And those happen to align with the three different thinking, feeling, and action types of the Enneagram. Another reason why I use the Enneagram in my coaching. Well, and I have to imagine, maybe I'm I'm spilling the beans a little bit, but you'll get into those connections a bit more during your session at Enneagram for Evolving Leaders. A hundred percent. Awesome. So if this conversation has piqued your interest and you want more of it, Eric will be leading an afternoon session Enneagram for Evolving Leaders Conference on April 16th and 17th. We haven't decided exactly which date he will be doing. So just, you know, sign up and join us. But it is our philosophy that there is not a person on this planet that can't learn something about themselves through the Enneagram, through the power of communication, through the power of self-awareness, through the pursuit of growth. And that is our goal when we are bringing this confident, this conference into the public is how do we understand ourselves better so that we can be better teammates, better communicators, just better people, all the people around us. I'd love to hear a wrap up for us, Eric, but when, when we communicate with X, what is possible? When we communicate with X, what is possible? What do you mean when we communicate? Like when we communicate with confidence, this is possible. Mm. When we, like, I don't know, what is that for you? Like, what do you, what do you want people to have when you're coaching them? When you can communicate with this, this is what's possible for you. Is that different for each person or is that like? I think that's really different for each person. You know, if I had to fill it in, it definitely Mm -hmm. would be confidence, which is a Mm -hmm. different podcast for a different time. Mm -hmm. But confidence is not assurance. It's not Mm -hmm. guarantees. Mm -hmm. You know, I oftentimes define confidence as the ability to respond. That -hmm. you walk into a space Mm -hmm. and you've prepared enough and you've become self-aware enough and you know Mm -hmm. your material enough that you can respond to whatever happens in the stage. I think that is mm. true of all Enneagram types, is knowing so, your your weaknesses, addressing them, and leveraging your personality. And then what happens? And then what happens is that you impact. I think that's an important word. Yeah. Is you don't do a great job. You don't, you know, you're not an amazing speaker. You can be, those can be true. But the primary role of all communication is to impact. There you go. Can't wait. Okay. For more on this conversation, please, please, please come and join us at the conference. It's going to be a really good time. And Eric will be there emceeing, but he will also be leading his very own session. So we will see you in April. Thanks, babe. You bet. Bye. You've been listening to the Evoke EQ podcast, where we have emotionally intelligent conversations for evolving leaders. It is our mission to make the Midwest an emotionally intelligent place to work and live. Whether you're in the Midwest or beyond, we hope you have found value in listening to our conversations. You can participate by leaving us comments or writing a review. We look forward to feedback as feedback is how we learn, grow, and change. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for more curious, connected conversations.